are gonna be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, My Talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com, keyword mom. Thank you for joining us on The Mom Show on My Talk 1071. I am Miss Shannon, and we encourage everyone to be a participant of The Mom Show because we have great information that can just help you day to day. It's information that maybe you're like, I wanted to Google this, or I heard about it, and I didn't have a chance to research it. So what we do is we are a repository of all things good. And then we have a panel of um, experts that rotate through and just give you this information so you can have it in one place. You pop in here, you get all your information, and you go off a better person. So thank you very much for joining us. And this morning, we have our good friend, the chief instigator of Health Foundation's Birth Centers, Dr. Amy Johnson-Grass. Hi, Dr. Amy. Good morning. Hi. So I'm glad that you're on. You know, you're, you, whenever you come in, it's a lot of dispelling of myths is what we get to cover because there's all these things that we know enough information to be dangerous. It might be something where you're going, how do I deal with this particular health situation? Is it something that's going on with my body, my kid's body, something going on in my family? And you know enough to sit there and go, I think this isn't right, but I don't really know. And so you help people dispel all of those I don't really know scenarios. So thank you for all that information. You're welcome. Yes, education is huge. Yes, because a lot of it is just, it, you know, you don't notice how anxious some of these things are making you mm-hmm. when you're in the midst of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we use Google as our first go to a lot of times. Right. And sometimes it's so overwhelming the amount of information and then not realizing what's really good information and what isn't sometimes. Right. Yeah. Because it just because it came to the top of the Google search, you don't that might be for a bad reason as much as it might be for a good reason. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> so people can always find more information about health foundations by going to your website, health-foundations.com. And there's information if they wanted to set up a tour or there's lots of blog posts that are there as well with a lot of information that people can go. OK, I know that this is legit. Absolutely. So maybe that's a resource that they can use as well. And this morning we're going to talk about dispelling some particular myths, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. this morning we're going to be talking about. Um, myths around pregnancy, labor, and birth specifically. And this came up um, the last couple of weeks because these are things that we hear from um, women, families, partners um, all the time. You right. know, or I'm out on the street or I'm at an event or and people ask lots of questions. And so these were the first things that kind of come up a lot of times that we just thought, well, why not talk about them? And I think sometimes, you know, I only have, you know, I've only gone through the process once, but there's still a lot of Is this what this is like when they, you know, all the words that they use to describe what the process is as you Mm -hmm. were pregnant? Sometimes you don't really understand in context the way that they're describing it. Right. Yeah. So you're like, I don't know how to if you're saying, okay, well, contractions feel like this, that might not be your frame of reference. So that description doesn't help you. Right. And I think um, especially around pregnancy and birth, you know, social media movies, TV, right. it really portrays a different picture of actual than what actually happens. Right. And I think that's such a disservice to women and families because we do an amazing amount of education in our prenatal visits. We want um, families to feel 
ready for when it actually comes time to deliver and for when it comes time to be postpartum because everybody's always, always, always thinking about, okay, I'm pregnant. Now we're totally focused on the birth. Right. And then they often forget to actually then think about, well, what happens after baby arrives postpartum and that actual transition into parenthood. So there's, there's so many things. Yeah. And if you have any questions, you can always contact us here on The Mom Show at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. And the other thing that I really enjoy about going to the Health Foundation's uh, website, uh, Dr. Amy, because this goes back into what we're talking about today, is that you have pictures of happy families and smiling women who are going through the process because so much of what we uh, pre, uh, when we're pre-gaming for pregnancy you hear all the negative things and you go, oh, it's going to be miserable and you're supposed to be this and here's the part where you're going to flip out on your husband or partner or, you, you know, it's all the negative things. And you're the, absolutely right. right. And yes. we just don't prepare to go, no, you could enjoy this. Things could go well. You are absolutely mm-hmm. right. Thank you for pointing that out because that's so true. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, let's just th- say our healthcare in general these days. Right. You know, it's all about building a relationship with your provider. And we just don't, we aren't afforded that opportunity a lot of times in our current healthcare system. Um, and there's so many reasons for that. I don't even want to get into those, but truly at health foundations, that's something we pride ourselves on is building that relationship with our families. And it, it is with the amount of time that we spend. So this is one of the myths. I think that's really nice to hit on that. You know, we spend 30 to 60 minutes with you in your prenatal visit. That's hugely valuable because we talk a lot about what to expect. We talk about the tests that are offered and why they're offered and then giving you that opportunity to talk about it and then come back and decide if those are good options for you. Um, We really do lots of education to just to help reduce that amount of anxiety and fear about the process in and of itself. And so that is hugely different than being in our conventional maternity care system. Right. An average visit with a obstetrician these days is about seven minutes. Goodness. And I I was going to guess 15. That's even lower than I was going to guess. Wow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's difficult because, sure, if you come in with questions, like I always say, they're more than happy to answer your questions, right. but you have to know the right question to ask. And that is just a huge, everybody hears me say that almost every week. You have to know the right question to ask, and that's difficult in life periods sometimes. Right. And so... um that is really that different model coming to Health Foundations, coming to a freestanding birth center, um, that we help you know what those topics are give you the information so you're able to come back and ask your questions because sometimes it might be difficult to articulate what it is that you really want to know it's just you ask a question but you're right it's not the correct question right so having someone that can help you go well you ask this but it really leads to these other series of questions and other information that you want and And you're just going i I don't know if I'm asking the right yes. question, but I know that I need information. Or sometimes, too, having to come up with that and initiate. Sometimes it's really difficult for people to right. initiate that conversation, especially when they 
aren't the expert. Do you think that sometimes, Dr. Amy, it's that you we do see these general generalities on, like you said, TV and in movies. And so you feel like, okay, I'm pregnant. I'm just supposed to know things. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of just seems like genie blink. You just this is a process. It's just it's nature. Clearly, you should just know all of this stuff. I think that could be a part of it. I also think a part of it is historically for so many years, women get pregnant. They think, okay, I'm going to make my appointment with my obstetrician. I'm going to deliver at the hospital. They know what they're doing. I don't have to think about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's so far from the actual truth. Women are not, if you're not prepared to go through the process and uh, know about what's going to happen at birth and be ready for postpartum, those women struggle. Mm, And so, you know, I think that time again is, you know, we did, uh, we did a little research uh, this past couple of months and we've talked about this in the past as well, that we tallied up all the hours that we spend with our families and it came to about 28 to 30 hours that we spend for the total amount of care that we see women. Okay. And then we totaled up the care that um, you would see from a provider kind of in our conventional system. And it, it, it was seven to nine hours. Wow. Okay. That's a huge yeah. difference. But I really think it speaks to that amount of education and how important that education is. And um, when we think about being prepared, I, I hear this is another myth. Oh, I don't need to take childbirth ed classes. Right. You really need to take childbirth ed classes, partly because it not only um, prepares you for the process, but you're with other people and you get to hear other questions that people ask that you might not have thought of. Um, it helps put you and your partner on the same page. Right. And so maybe things that you guys hadn't even thought about talking about or just assumed that you both thought the same thing come up. Um, I see all these things all the time that... Um, those childbirth ed classes are important and really looking for community-based childbirth ed classes Mm -hmm. um, because those that you take in the community are going to talk about uh, the process. They're going to talk about pain coping techniques, comfort measures, um, all of those things. They're not going to teach you. Sometimes I feel like coming to the um, childbirth ed classes in the hospital, or at least historically, they taught you a little bit more about how to be a good patient. Right. And so um, how to register, um, when pain meds would be available, you know, where to park, those sorts of things. Well, those are very good things to know. That's not childbirth education. Right. And so really exploring what other options are out in the community. And we've got tons. I mean, the Twin Cities is really known for its resources and um, childbirth and classes and doulas and all of these things that um, definitely look into it. Well, this morning we are covering uh, some or we are dispelling some myths about pregnancy and childbirth. And so we're going to cover some more of those when we get back. What do you want else? What else are we going to cover, Dr. Amy? Oh, my goodness. We're going to talk a little bit about um Ideas of where to deliver, who to deliver with, what's normal, what's not normal. And if you have any questions, again, you can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on The Mom Show with Dr. Amy Johnson-Grass from Health Foundation's Birth Centers. Welcome back to The Mom Show here on MyTalk 1071. You can also find us at MyTalk1071.com. Just use the keyword Mom Show. So if we go through any information that you're like, oh, wait, I need to listen to that again, that is a great way for you to go and find previous episodes. And today we're covering, some, dispelling some myths about pregnancy and childbirth, thanks to our friend, Dr. Amy Johnson-Grass from Health Foundation's Birth Centers. And just some information that is good to know if this, you know, if you've already had a baby, 
that's fine, you know, kind of thing. But there's still, you know, you and I were talking about these things where I'm going, I, you know, it, it's, it's stuff that I thought I wanted to know before I had my son. But then once I had him, I never went back and learned, you know, I didn't, I was like, I I still have questions that you bring. I'm like, oh, that's why. And one of the things (laughs) that we were talking about is the things like the process of childbirth, like things that they say you can't do and why you can't do it. Like, I remember, you know, my doctor at the time going, oh, you can't eat and you can't have food. And I did. I still now don't know why he told me I couldn't eat. And I'm like, that sounds horrible. And I'm just, you know, that was part of the reason I was so miserable is him coming in and yelling at me because I decided I wanted to have some crackers. So that is a myth. I mean, it's a myth in our setting. Okay. So really, you know, in the hospitals, um, they're always waiting and being prepared for an emergency. Okay. But. Childbirth is not an emergency. And um, the reality is women need to eat and drink throughout labor because it's like a marathon. Right. You need to stay well hydrated. You need to stay well fed because you need that energy to keep going along this process. Otherwise, you're going to poop out. Right. And, you know, yes, it's difficult. And yes, it's work. But our bodies are made to do that. And I think so many times women are told and we're shown on TV and we're shown in movies that, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. It's going to hurt too much. And I see women every day going through labor and delivery and they are strong. Women are strong. Right. And I just wish that that was the message that women got every day right? and got when they were pregnant, that you are strong, you have choices, you can do this. And, you know, I really support women wherever they at and the choices they choose and all of these things. But my gosh, you've got to be supported. You have to know your options. You've got to be educated and not just blindly follow um, in this process because it's not set up to be supportive of women. Right. Let's just be honest. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were just talking to a minute ago about um, you had said, Oh yeah, Amy, I just figured I'd seen all of these things. I'd watched these things on TV, baby story and all these TV shows. And Mm -hmm. even with the complications, a lot of times the babies were fine in the end. So you had this sense that, okay, I will be fine. I'll get through the process. And that is just so sad to me because I think a lot of times we, one, women hear, oh, you have a healthy baby in the end. Right. Why are you feeling disappointed about the process that you just went through? Mm -hmm. It's more than a healthy baby. It is about a healthy, supported woman and mom. And that that cannot be discounted. Right. I mean, this is a life-changing event for a woman and a family that... They can't be shamed or they can't be um, told to believe things that aren't true or to believe they don't have choice or, you know, a woman, a woman are strong. Right. And it does really. I mean, I when you look back and and I have friends that have similar stories where you go, why did I hate that process? Like when when you go, I'm really happy that I have my child. But I never want to be pregnant again. Like I was that mm-hmm. person where I'm just going and nothing technically went and I'll put it in air quotes wrong. Right. Like nothing was wrong. I just hated the process yeah. <laughs> and went, yeah, I don't want to do that again. 
you know. So, and I hear too. So this is this is something I hear all the time. I'm pregnant with my first baby. I really would love to think about a freestanding birth center, but I'm going to deliver in the hospital because this is my first, and it'll be safer. Right. Really, re- really look at that. You know, the research shows that delivering outside the hospital at a freestanding birth center is as safe, if not safer, than delivering in the hospital. And I'm just going to say this super loud and clear. Everything that's out there shows that the number one risk factor for you having a C-section is the facility that you walk into for labor and delivery. I really want women to hear that. The number one risk factor of you having a cesarean is what facility you walk into. And it doesn't matter. You could be a healthy pregnant woman and walk into three different facilities and have three different experiences. And right now in the U S one in three women walking in a hospital will have a cesarean. Wow. Do you one think in three, that's 30%. And then I, I think just, you know, part of, you know, dispelling this particular method, you know, you hear hospital. So you presume that, or, you know, it, it seems to come with this, shiny like label that goes no hospitals are good at these kind of things and then when you hear freestanding birth center is it that people just kind of go well that's they look at it like it's less qualified because instead of looking at it like no this is their specialty right and i think people it's (laughs) i think it's that vision of a hippy dippy yes mm-hmm. that there's these women in long skirts with flowy hair but no, that, nothing there's nothing, wrong, there's with nothing wrong with that However, and there's just all it's like basically it's like i'm gonna go have my baby at a yoga spa is what it feels <laughs> like and it's like well no there are you know soothing and calming and mechanisms but it's like no this is a special place for this yes. process i always say we're experts in normal mm-hmm. and a majority of uh pregnant women are considered low risk and can predict to have um, normal or whatever normal means, right? Healthy labor and deliveries. However, um, you know, we still have nurses who I see and we have conversations with who come into the birth center and work with us or who maybe go through our um, doula intern program. And I hear things like, wow, this is the first natural birth I've ever seen. Wow. Okay. I think it really just speaks to the environment. And I'm not here today to poo-poo hospitals. Right. That's not my focus. Hospitals are invaluable. They have their space, um, especially when women are high risk and they need more tools and they need help. Hospitals are the place to be. Right. But, um, you know, in other countries, when we look at the care that women are provided, it is midwives who are providing that care to low risk women and doing the educating and more time. And we do things like postpartum home visits. So we visit you in your home. Um, Those sorts of things. If you are low risk, that's something to really think about. Right. And go, it's okay to have somebody that focuses on this all the time versus like, you know, we go to different restaurants and go, well, this restaurant doesn't have to be good at every variety of food, but we don't seem to think that way sometimes with our health care. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, really, really look at that. And I think, too, if one in three women are having a C-section, you know, in the Twin Cities, if you are a VBAC or if you're looking for a vaginal birth after a cesarean, we have lots of options. If you're in other parts of the country, you don't. Oh, and so okay. what does that set you up for then for future pregnancies? Because 
just because you've had one C-section, this is another myth. Just mm-hmm. because you've had one C-section doesn't mean that you will always have C-sections for all of your pregnancies. And so that is a conversation to definitely have with your providers, with a doula, with a midwife to say, you know, maybe I've had a C-section in the past, but why why would I need one in the future? Is right. there something that happened that says, and if, if somebody tells you, oh, you had a big baby in the past, oh, you've had a failure to progress, oh, your baby was breech, in my opinion, those are not reasons to say, oh, that's something you absolutely need a C-section for in the future. Right. You know, but if maybe you have a different shaped uterus or there's other medical reasons, you know, then maybe that would be true. But my goodness, ask, ask, ask. All right. Well, we have some more myths to dispel when we get back here on The Mom Show. We're talking to Dr. Amy Johnson-Grass from Health Foundation's Birth Center and taking your calls. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Mom Show on My Talk 107.1. I'm Ms. Shannon. And one of the things that I love most about my job uh, hosting The Mom Show is that for me personally, it's always information that I want and I need. And I think that our producer, Sonny, we have the same methodology about coming in here for The Mom Show. Because, Sonny, every time we do a show, aren't you like, oh, my gosh, I really wanted to know that or I have questions. Yeah, I'm sitting up here listening like, I never would have thought about, <laughs> no, the whole process, like I do, my sister and I, we often talk about, oh my God, I'm never doing that again. Right. And, and <laughs> I'm not doing that again. And <laughs> and I didn't, I, I I just, you know, when you're young, you go and you don't know anything and everybody comes in and tells you their expectations, or not their expectations, but their experience. And just to be able to look at childbirth and pregnancy in just a different way. I've, I'm glad that you're saying this because I'm hoping there's some young girl that was out there like me that didn't know that's going, okay. Because it really does change the methodology of the way that you think about the process. Mm -hmm. Because I think that there are a lot of women that are like, we're like um, one and done. But that's part of it, you know, kind of thing. It's like, I loved my child. I would be fine having another child. But I already (laughs) said, oh, no, no. I'm going to. that process. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go adopt. (laughs) And I'm all for that. I'm like, there are lots of babies that are already out in the wild. Let me go get one. (laughs) Out in the wild. (laughs) Exactly. Can I get one of those wild babies? Like the dandelion baby? That is what I want. I want to be able to go and pluck it versus go and go through the process again. Because there were things that I remember going, you know, use the word about, you know, shamed. I remember having a poor interaction with my doctor because one of the other things we talked about is that if you go to, you know, I like a number of the doctors in my clinic you know, where I go and I do my, 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 like, I love my gynecologist, but she wasn't the person that was going to be able to help me have the baby. And that's another thing that I'm going, wait, I'm not going to see you or it's not, you know, so you've helped me all along and I trust you. You were the first person I came and talked to where I thought I was pregnant. You know, I'm like, I think I'm pregnant. I took this test at home. She's like, oh yeah. You're, you're pregnant. If the tests work, a positive you. is positive. A, positive, a yeah. negative might be positive. <laughs> right. And I was like, I think that's another thing that I'm like, well, maybe it doesn't count if I take it at home. I need uh-huh. to go on too. And then she's like, no. So even having this conversation and me thinking that I know things as an adult woman who has seen lots of television shows and going, oh no, that's not what I'm dealing with at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that whole provider I think people spend so much time in the beginning searching for that right provider. Right. And you can see them in your pregnancy. Absolutely. Um, But oftentimes, well, not often, they're always in a group. 
Mm-hmm. And so you really have to make sure that you like their group and that you have the opportunity to meet others in their group. Right. Because you're not guaranteed to get them at your delivery. And that part is very disappointing when you're in the midst of it. Because I remember right. I did get that advice. They were like, OK, so I set up, you know, I rotated my appointments with the other providers that were in the group. And I'm like, oh, I like all of these people except for these two. And of course, one of the ones I didn't like is the one that showed up the day. He was the one that was going to be there. And I'm like, and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I'm here now. Baby's coming. Now I got to deal with this guy. <laughs> those feelings, though, um, interfere with how your labor progresses. They they change the experience that you have. And um, it's, and, you know, I think, too, a lot of times people think, okay, I've chosen this provider. They're going to be with me. But the reality is you go, when you go into the hospital, you're going into a place that you have not been before, or maybe have been on one tour long time ago. You're being cared for by a nursing staff that you've never met. Right. And your provider might pop in, pop in and out and they come in towards the end when you are pushing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you are truly supported by that nursing staff. And so I think it's, you know, that that whole not being familiar also plays a role because you hear, oh, I was rip roaring at home. We got in the car and we got to the hospital and everything stopped or slowed down. Yes, It's because our stress hormones all of a sudden are increased because we're in an environment that we aren't familiar with. We're with people that we don't know. We're not knowing what to expect. All these lights, all these questions. And of course, that process is going to hit the brakes um, because those stress hormones go up and that means our labor starts slowing down. And so, you know, kind of looking through those scenarios and I, I throw these things out here because I just want people to be aware of what the reality actually is. Right. Um, because people just don't know. Right. It didn't occur to me at the time. And that's not something that they necessarily, you know, it, it's not one of those things that you put an asterisk by that when you go through your class. Right. That says, oh, wait, these are going to be all new people. Is that part of the reason why you sometimes uh, encourage people to hire a doula? So, so, you know, you have that consistency. Yes. Yeah, so okay. that you have that continuity of care, um, that you have somebody there who can. Um, help answer some of your maybe your questions that you have or remind you of you know a lot of times beforehand you meet with your doula and you talk through your birth plan and so they can be there to remind you things that you put in your birth plan that are important to you or to give dads or partners a break or you know if you know Providers are generally on an on-call schedule, so if your labor is really long, you might see several providers over the course of your labor. And while those people change, that doula still remains consistent. And I and reminding people what the role of a doula is, I think, is very important because I remember at the time going, "I think we should hire a doula." And my part, my my husband at the time, you know, he's offended. Yeah, You know, because he's like, what, you think I can't do it? And I'm like, and that's not what I meant, but it's difficult to go, no, here's the role and they're here for both of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I use this analogy a lot. I, I don't know lots about sports. I love to go to games, but if somebody said, okay, Amy, you're going to go coach this football game. Here's a playbook. Here's an eight hour class. And now you're going to go out and you're going to win for us today. That's kind of what we do to dads and partners, right? Here's a childbirth ed class. Um, Here's a book maybe that they've read and here's your partner in labor. Say everything right. Do everything right. right. Do everything she wants you to be, even though she might not tell you. Right. <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> that that doula is really there to be a support for both the 
for both. Right. And um, they don't have a medical role, so they don't do anything medical. They're really there as a supportive role. Perfect. Uh So what other kinds of myths are normally out there? So another thing I hear people say is, you know, yeah, where I'm at is okay, but you know, it'll be fine, whatever. And I'm, I don't think people know that they have the choice to change providers. Okay. You know, whether it's to someplace like us or another OB or a different midwife, if you're not happy with the provider that you have or the group that you're in, you have that option to change. Right. And, you know, try not to wait until the end of your pregnancy. <laughs> then that might be more difficult. But if you're 20, 26, 28 weeks and you're thinking, you know, this is not a feeling like a really good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Well, look at your other options. Right. I think I just I want women to hear you've got choice. Right. And maybe is it because, you know, you're, you said uh, at you know, in the first segment, we're talking about the average visit with a lot of these people is like seven to 10 minutes. Sure. Is you're like, well, I don't have to see them very much anyway. <laughs> so I'll just power through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think and women in general power through so much in their lives right? that it kind of is like, oh my gosh, I have so many of these other things to do. It's another one of those things that they power through and I don't have time to think or look or, oh, it's going to be too much or the burden of it. Right. It's, it doesn't have to be that difficult actually. So, um, so just know that you do have a choice. If you're not happy where you're at, you can change. Right. Yeah. So um, the other thing, though, too, we've talked a lot about birth centers and hospitals today. The other thing that I've heard people come, because we have tours uh, pretty frequently at the birth center, and I hear women sometimes say, oh, yeah, I delivered at the at a birth center before. And I'm like, oh, yeah, where did you deliver? Mm-hmm. And they rattle off the name of a hospital. Okay. And hospitals right now, there's many hospitals that are calling their labor and delivery birth centers. Right. They're not what we they're not a what the definition of a birth center really actually is when you're delivering in the hospital you're delivering in the hospital right and when we talk about a birth center we're really talking about a freestanding facility outside the hospital where um, the things that we talk about when we talk about a birth center apply okay and I think that's another thing for people to really hear because you know it's confusing so when you go to a freestanding birth center like health foundations uh, birth center do you have most of the same things that I could get in a hospital except for if it if things went completely south and I needed to go and get a cesarean? So what's the difference is that I can, you know, yeah, what are my options? Mm-hmm. So at a freestanding birth center, you we only help low risk women. So healthy pre-pregnancy, healthy pregnancy. Um, that means the likelihood that you will need other interventions or um, more tools that like like a hospital has are much less. Okay. It's not that we never transfer to the hospital. It just means that we don't often. So do births, freestanding birth centers, do they all like only do um, so natural? We, so you can't get pain meds at a freestanding birth center. You can only get that. So we have, uh, we have nitrous. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like, everybody knows it as laughing gas. Yes. 
And so that can help with um, the contractions. It doesn't make them go away, okay. but it makes you care about them less. Okay. And sometimes women really like that. But you're right. We don't have epidurals. We don't have um, narcotics. Right. Um, we don't do those things at a birth center. That's much better helped in the hospital. Okay. Um, we have all the emergency meds that um, mom or baby would need in the event of the most common things that come up with labor and delivery. So okay. we have medications to stop bleeding. We have IVs. We're all um, resuscitators. We have oxygen. But you're right. We don't do surgeries. So, okay. um, And we don't do instrumental delivery. So things like uh, forceps or vacuums or C-sections, those are much better helped in hospital. Um, some of the things that come up are people say, well, what if I get gestational diabetes? So that's right. diabetes that comes up in pregnancy. You know, we help you um, with diet. And as long as it's diet controlled, it's fine to be at the birth center. Okay. Or at health foundations. Um, if it's something where you need medication to control, that's better to be in the hospital with. Got you. Okay. Um, so, you know, those sorts of things. We also hear, um, oh my gosh, I am too old. Right. Everybody tells me I'm... <laughs> I'm high risk because I'm old. I'm a geriat. This is the I'm a geriatric uh, mother. And doesn't that start at like 35? Yes. Yes. I mean, and I'm like, <gasps> what an absolute hit to the ego yes. from right out the door. If somebody tells you you're a geriatric mother, right? I would. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> no. Because it immediately sounds like a negative decision. Like, I shouldn't yes. be doing this because I'm too old. Yes. Or it just sets you up to think, oh, my gosh, something obviously is going to go wrong. Right. And that's not the case. You know, there is some increased risk for some genetic um things to come up with baby as you get older mm -hmm. um, and those tests we talk about as an option. Um, but 30, 35 40, you know, we see a wide range of women at the birth center. And again, you're low risk. We help you stay healthy. We help you have a healthy pregnancy. We talk about nutrition. That's the difference. We want you to have that healthy pregnancy and we give you the tools and the information along the way to help you do that. Not just have you go out in the world willy nilly right. with maybe all of these preconceptions that, oh, I can eat whatever I want or that's not true, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to talk about that. And then there's also some uh, myths you want to cover uh, and dispel uh, right after the baby comes as yeah. well. So we're going to get into that in our final segment when we return here on The Mom Show on My Talk 107.1. Welcome back to The Mom Show on My Talk 107.1. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate our expert in today, Dr. Amy Johnson-Grass from Health Foundation's Birth Centers, easily found over on Grand Avenue over in St. Paul. And just, you know, there's... So many things that are in the world that we just go, you're just supposed to know that. And that just leads to misinformation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things we've been covering today are getting rid of some of that misinformation. And so let's say we get the baby, the, you know, you manage to have the baby, mm -hmm. the baby is healthy. And now we go home and you're like, don't you just know exactly what you're supposed to be doing? Like you should be <laughs> able to like breastfeed. You should be able to change diapers. You know what swaddle means, right? And they no, maybe I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no, I don't. You know, this is all new don't. to us, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's the first thing that breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Breast. The myth is breastfeeding comes naturally, right? It doesn't. 
breastfeeding is natural in the fact that our bodies are made to do it, but mm-hmm. breastfeeding does not come naturally to most women. Right. And so to have a team or a provider or a friend group who's really there to support you in the dis- one, the decision to breastfeed, because mm-hmm. sometimes that's right out of the gate, the most difficult thing for a woman mm-hmm. is she's not supported by the community she's surrounded by. Right. And um, two, to do a little education beforehand so you know what to expect. You've seen some of the positions. Um, so what we found is at the birth center, we actually have a breastfeeding class that we have you take um, with us prior to delivery. Because we found that having women together in a group, but also it helps because everybody hears everybody else's questions. Mm-hmm. But the information that we provide is a sneak peek into what that breastfeeding experience may look like. So that you don't have the baby and then it's time like three hours later it's time to do i'm I'm adding in the wrong yeah, time that's fine so like when's the first feeding like when do you like you know you i'm sleepy i just had the baby and now i have to figure out how to feed it so, so that it survives with us it's generally in the first hour oh, okay. most babies latch within the first hour that might be different depending on where you deliver but we really like to get babies on right away because mm-hmm. it helps mom's bleeding yes it helps babies transition better um and that skin to skin with uh, with mom helps t- t- uh, regulate baby's temperature. Okay, and so there's lots of good things. It's not just that we're breastfeeding. There's lots of good things happening there. So um, within that first hour, and we are there. You know, that's one of our goals um, in the postpartum when you're at the birth center is to really help establish that breastfeeding. And then we see you. We see our families in their home around 24 hours. Okay, and um, we have a nurse practitioner who's also a lactation consultant who does the majority of our home visits. So that's a piece of our home visits as well as seeing how's breastfeeding going, um, what questions, how's baby's latch, how baby is, how much weight are they losing? Right. Those sorts of things we're looking at right away because um, it it's it makes a difference right. to kind of catch those things early before you start going down. And you do kind of, it's another one of those things that if you can't figure it out on your own, you probably feel like a failure. Like, oh no, I should just be able to do this. And that's not the case. Women take on this huge burden of guilt Mm -hmm. around breastfeeding. If it's not going well, if their babies aren't gaining, if they don't have enough breast milk, if their nipples are sore, if baby has a tongue tie. I mean, I could just keep on listing all of these things that women guilt on themselves And you're emotional. You have all these hormones. You just had a baby. You're exhausted. I mean, there's so much in the mix. But really try and find that team that will support you. We, you know, we're there for women. You don't have to deliver with us to have our lactation support. Mm -hmm. Um, And so know that that's an option. Lactation consultants, uh, breastfeeding counselors, the Leche League. I mean, there's lots out there. But sometimes you're so depleted, exhausted, um, filled with mom guilt that it's hard to kind of reach out. So if you need one resource and you know, if you need to know one that will absolutely be supportive of you, always come to us. Okay. I think another piece postpartum is, and this is moms think about it, but it's often the dads and partners who are the ones really thinking about Mm -hmm. is the cost. Right. You know, um, that's after babies when you start getting bills Mm -hmm. and in at health foundations, we actually, help you throughout your pregnancy understand what your dollar amount or that patient responsibility will be. Right. And that's pretty unheard of, Mm -hmm. actually, in 
healthcare period. Right. Um, but especially in, in ha- the process of having a baby, you cannot call the hospital and say, okay, well, what's my estimated patient costs going to be? And um, we can get, we estimate it, but it's still pretty close to what families will end up being responsible for. Okay. Why is it important? Because labor and delivery, having a baby is more expensive than going in for a cold. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. There we you go. Know, yeah. There can be several thousand dollar price tag mm-hmm. to having a baby that if you don't know about that ahead of time or have the opportunity after you have the or baby. have the opportunity mm-hmm. to plan or I don't know many families who don't need to financially plan in some way, shape or form. Right. How that fits into their finances, honestly. And right. so having a partner to, or us to help you through that, I think families have been really appreciative of. We're going to be putting up a video tomorrow that shows the experience of one dad um, trying to get through the system of understanding his hospital bill. And right. it's hilarious, but unfortunately, it's it's true. Um, and so look for that on our Facebook page tomorrow. Um, but the other piece to this, too, is you look at our website or maybe you've come visit us. And the thing that I hear all the time is, oh, it's like going and delivering at a bed and breakfast. <laughs> it's got to be more expensive than delivering in the hospital. Right. And you talk about all of this, all of these hours that you spend with us. Of course, it's going to be more expensive. That's not going to be an option for me. That's actually a myth. Okay. To deliver at a freestanding birth center is about 30 to 40. 30 to 40% less expensive than delivering in a hospital. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. So if you're, and, and it's something that you honestly, you know, have somebody to work through the process with you. So yep. not only is it less expensive, you'll know that it's probably going to be less expensive. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes. And that doesn't happen very often that you, you know, you get better service for less money. Like right. That doesn't happen in a lot of industries. Absolutely. We've been talking a lot about that this week. So for so, sure. So I think that the other thing that, you know, before we wrap up, you know, uh, one of the myths when I'm talking to people is that after you have the baby, it ends up being all about the baby. And you as the mom, you're no longer allowed to sit there and go, but no, I'm important, too. Yes, absolutely. And oh, I know. Yeah, it's like that's so sad. And you see people just go, no, I need to only focus on the we one now. It's not about me. But that doesn't have to be the case. It should be still be about you. Yes. And really recognizing that it, the pregnancy was nine months. Right. Moms aren't, shouldn't be expected to be up running around at two weeks. Right. You know, this is another thing that the media and uh, social media has really done a disservice to women. Seeing all these celebrities have a baby Mm -hmm. and then two to six weeks later show up in a picture yeah. or on TV. How they got their bikini bod back, right? Like immediately or wah, something. Wah, wah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you, that is not the experience for most women. Uh, <laughs> nor does, nor should it be. Mm-hmm. You know, I. it's kind of sad that that's what's put up on a pedestal because women need to rest. Mm-hmm. And especially those first two weeks. Well, we encourage you to rest. We encourage you to uh, support your fellow women and we encourage you to go and get some more information and check out all of the information from Health Foundations Birth Center. Again, the website is health-foundations.com and you can always find them as well if you go to mytalk1071.com keyword mom. So thank you, Dr. Amy. Thank you. Enjoy the sun today. Thanks.